You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. I need to forbid myself to despair. I need to say to myself, you are forbidden. You cannot. Because God cannot abandon you. God will always be there for you. He will always provide for you. There is nothing that he will withhold from you if he would not withhold his only son. There's nothing he will withhold from you. Pastor J.D. will remind you that the Lord cannot abandon you. It's simply impossible. When David cries out in the Psalms that he's going through a hard season, he reminds himself that he will yet praise the Lord because God will come through. He will provide. He's always been faithful and he will continue to be. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 42 as he continues his message, What to Do When You Are Discouraged. How do you worry about nothing? By praying about everything and thanking God for anything and thinking on anything that is of a good report, praiseworthy, of virtue, thinking of good things, of God things. And don't make light of this, thanking God for anything. By the way, the word think comes from the word thank. And when you think about all that you can thank God for, that has an effect on your mind that it changes the way you feel. See, the brain sends messages to the rest of your body. And so actually they say that when you are in fear or worried, it can have physiological effects on your body. It affects your digestive system. It affects the cardiovascular system. It affects your entire body. Anyway, I've done much research in this regard. Time doesn't permit to get into all the nuances of that. But the way we think can really affect us physically, our physical health. Again, I'll say it again, and maybe you tire of me saying it, but I think we do err greatly when we underestimate how powerful our thoughts are. We need to keep our mind on Him. We need to pray about everything, thank Him for anything, and then what will happen is we will worry about nothing. That's how it works. And it's so important that our mind is stayed on Him, meditating on Him and His Word. All right, this brings us to the fourth one. It actually ties into the fourth one. And it's in verses 8 through 10. And you'll forgive me if this seems like a firm grasp of the obvious, but it's calling upon the Lord in prayer. And this is what David does. Here in verses 8 through 10, he thinks outside himself, and he turns to the Lord, and he calls upon the Lord, and he prays to the Lord. Um, Let me say it this way. In the end, prayer will determine how things end. 
Let me say the same thing in a different way. You're in a situation and prayer is the deciding factor, which by the way is why Satan will do everything and stop at nothing to keep you from praying. This is why all H-E double toothpicks breaks loose when you set your mind and heart to pray. When you set aside that time to pray, Satan knows that it is the deciding factor. I love how Pastor Chuck Smith used to illustrate it. So you got two opponents in a fist fight until one of them wields a knife. Now that changes everything. And so now the other one who does not have the knife is solely focused on getting that knife out of his opponent's hand because he knows that that knife is the deciding factor. That knife represents prayer. That's why the enemy will always try to get the knife of prayer, if you will, out of our hands. It's been said that Satan, what Satan fears the most is when a Christian prays. What Satan fears the most is when a Christian prays. Why? Because he knows it is the deciding factor. And he knows it's the, it's the deciding factor because when a Christian prays and asks God for anything, if it's according to his will, it's a done deal. So let me ask you this. A Christian asks the Lord in prayer for victory over the enemy. A Christian asks in prayer for the Lord to give him strength to stand and resist the enemy. Do you think the Lord's going to answer that prayer? Let me ask you this. Do you think that Satan knows that the Lord's going to answer that prayer? Of course. Which is why he doesn't want you to pray that prayer. So he'll do everything he can to keep us from prayer. Prayer's not easy work, by the way. Would you agree with that? Prayer's hard. So I've done things in my own life to better my prayer life, and it has worked very well, actually. So one of those things that I do, and, and for me, and this might just be me as well, again, but uh, if I pray in my mind, my mind tends to wander. Does that ever happen to you? Oh good, I'm glad you. Uh, <laughs> it happens to you because I don't uh, feel so alone. But So I'll, I'll pray in my mind, and, uh, and then there's the enemy going, did you remember to send that email? Oh, that's right, I, for, I need to... Uh, Oh, that's what I gotta. Oh, I gotta tell him before. Ah, before I. Ah, so, well, there goes that prayer. So here's what I do. I do it. I do it out loud. My mind can't wander when I'm praying out loud. I don't care what people think. I used to. There was a day when I was younger when I really cared what people think. I don't care what people think, man. So driving in the car on the way to church tonight, it's a. It's, it takes me depending on traffic between 18 and 22 minutes. I drive the speed limit. That is the best prayer time ever because it's just me in the car. And so I'll get up to a stoplight and I'm talking to the Lord and I'm just, you know, I'm just like, and so, and people are looking at me going, 
you know, and I think what they think, and again, Paul, you'll appreciate this, and I'm talking hands-free because, you know, because it's hands-free. I'm not, you know, it's hands-free because I'm a law-abiding citizen. But uh, so, but I'm actually talking to the Lord out loud. And this is great. And he talks back, by the way. Who was that that made a big deal about the vice president um, Joy Behar. Oh, you got to love her, right? She's on The, the View. Uh, this was a while back. But was it, was it the vice president that she was mocking? Because he, he talks to Jesus. And she's try, yeah, and she makes this comment about, you know, I, I really get concerned when Jesus talks back. Oh boy, I tell you, I, I wonder. <laughs> it's one of those times where you just say, Lord, would you have a talk with her? <laughs> you need to talk back to her. That's, uh, is that bad? Is that right? <laughs> That's a sanctified, uh, anyway, I digress. But the Lord talks back to me. You know, prayer is not a monologue, it's a, it's a dialogue. And you just, you just talk to the Lord. And, and I, don't, I don't know why it is that we complicate prayer. I'm just probably as guilty of it as, any, as the next guy. But you know what? That's what prayer is. It's just simply talking to God. I think God likes it when we talk to Him. He wants us to talk to Him. And He wants to talk to us too. So I'll talk to Him on the way, like a, you know, on a Thursday night like tonight. And I'll say, Lord, would you just bless the teaching of your Word tonight? And would you bless those that come to the Bible study tonight? And Lord, would you give me the right words to, to speak? And if I'm planning on teaching anything that you would not have me to teach, then just remove it from my, my mind and my thoughts. And conversely, if there's something that I'm not planning to talk about that you would have me to talk about, then Lord, bring it to my mind so that I can, I can talk about it. Those are great talks with the Lord. Those are great prayer times with the Lord. We had our prayer meeting on Tuesday night. I was mortified because I forgot to announce it on uh, first service. I'm thankful that Pastor Mac announced it in my absence, but I announced it during second service. So a number of people came out. It was just a, the whole time just sitting there. And it was such a blessing to my heart as the pastor of this amazing church to just hear God's people pray. That does something to you, you know, corporate prayer. It just does something to you. Well, this also ties into our last one, which is actually in Psalm 43, which we'll read. It's only five verses, but it's to praise God for answered prayer. And that's what David is going to do in Psalm 43. So let's read Psalm 43, verse 1. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. And he asked this again rhetorically, why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send your light, verse 3, and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. He's again referring to the assembling together with God's people at the tent of meeting at the tabernacle. 
Then, verse 4, I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. This is um, actually why I believe it is that these two Psalms go together. This is another reason why I wanted to get to Psalm 43 tonight, as short as it is. Uh, Many believe that it is part of Psalm 42, and even some of the ancient Hebrew manuscripts have both Psalms together, which makes sense. They have the same theme, even the same phrase as David repeats it about his soul being cast down and that he will yet, he will yet, yet future, praise God. Not presently, which is what I want to talk about in the remainder of our time together tonight. Notice that David has not yet been on the receiving end of this answered prayer by the time he gets to the end of these two Psalms. He ends Psalm 43 saying what he said in Psalm 42 about he will yet praise the Lord. That hasn't happened yet. He will yet praise the Lord. He's putting all of his hope and trust in the Lord. And this explains to me why it is that he is thanking and praising God in advance for what he knows God will yet do. That's faith. He hasn't seen it yet. It hasn't happened yet. But he believes by faith that he will do it and that God will yet do it. He tells himself that in light of what God is going to do, he is not allowing himself, he is forbidding himself to give in to despair and spiritual depression. Because he knows what God is yet to do. And on that basis, he is forbidding himself to go any further into this pit of Despair. I like how G. Campbell Morgan said it. He said it best this way. Not yet has the answer come. The darkness and the mystery are still about him, but the shining way is seen, and again the soul is forbidden to despair, and hope is encouraged in God. Maybe I can say it this way. Dare I say it this way? We need to forbid our souls to despair on this basis. Because of who our God is and how good our God always is. Even if we have yet to receive it. Even if we have yet to be on the receiving end of what we know by faith God will do. Why won't he? Why wouldn't he? I was thinking about 
when I uh, left Levi at his college and came back. And uh, boy, we had some really rich times together. I, he's so solid. He's really grounded. <laughs> I, I told him, I said, Levi, you're grounded. You're so grounded. He goes, what am I grounded for? No, I don't mean that. You're grounded. You're, you have... <laughs> so anyway, so <laughs> scarred. I think I, I scarred him during his childhood. But no, he was actually a really good kid growing up. Really smart kid. Really good kid. And loves the Lord. So I was talking to him about, because he was, you know, kind of getting discouraged. He was kind of concerned about the whole financial end and what are we going to do for second semester? We got first semester. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And, and, and I said this to him I said, Levi, why wouldn't God provide for your second semester if he brought you this far? Think of it this way. This is almost hard to say, but think of it this way. What's God going to do? Get you this far and say, okay, you're on your own. No. Why would God abandon you now? Wait, I thought, and this is one of those thoughts that has to be taken captive to the obedience of God's word. It's incompatible with God's word. Because God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I will be with you always, even until the ends of the age, the ends of the earth. So what does that mean? He's not going to abandon me. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. He's always going to, what's he going to stop providing now? You know what? Could you imagine this? God saying, you know, I have provided for you for 36 years. You've been walking with me, and I've been faithful for 36 years. I think you need to learn a lesson and get out there on your own and, and figure it out for yourself. Can you imagine? How absurd is that? Yet, do we think like that sometimes? Here God has done all of these things for you for all of these years, and he's not going to do this? I think about what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans. He said, is this even logical? I'm obviously paraphrasing, but is this even logical that God would freely give you his son. He would not withhold sending his only begotten son to die for you. Why in the world, if God is willing to do that, is there anything that he would be unwilling to do if he did that? Can you think of one thing? I mean, if, if God sent his son to die on the cross for me. He's not going to help me make next month's bills? Really? Does that make any sense at all? He's not going to provide for me. He's not going to be there for me. He's going to abandon me now. Really? That's impossible. No, no. That's not hyperbole. That's impossible. It cannot happen. It cannot happen. It is an impossibility. Perish the thought. I will yet praise him. I need to forbid myself to despair. I need to say to myself, you are forbidden. 
You cannot. Because God cannot abandon you. God will always be there for you. He will always provide for you. There is nothing that he will withhold from you if he would not withhold his only son. There's nothing he will withhold from you. I want to close with a quote from a book in my library that for me has been over many years now a great help, a great source, a great resource. Uh, it's a good read. It's not an easy read, but it's also a great reference as well. It's by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and it's titled appropriately Spiritual Depression. I've recommended this book before. It's called Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Its Cure. And at the beginning of the book, Jones writes of Psalms 42 and 43 this, he says, In these particular Psalms, which we propose to consider, the psalmist is unhappy and in trouble. That is why he cries out in the dramatic words, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. He says this, Here we are able to watch noble souls struggling with their problems and with themselves. <laughs> That's interesting. We struggle with our problems, but we struggle with ourselves, don't we? And then he says this, They talk to themselves and to their souls, bearing their hearts, analyzing their problems, chiding and encouraging themselves. When was the last time you rebuked yourself? When was the last time you confronted yourself and said to yourself, What are you doing? Stop! Stop! Are you crazy? Well, we already know the answer to that. Yes, I am crazy. Listen to my, I'm talking to myself. Of course I'm crazy, but what are you doing? Sometimes I think we need to rebuke ourselves, chide ourselves, correct ourselves, confront ourselves. He goes on to say, lastly, it is because that is such a true description of them that the Psalms have always proved to be a great source of solace and encouragement to God's people throughout the centuries, both the children of Israel and the members of the Christian church. Aren't you grateful for the Psalms? I know I am. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Psalms. While our time with you is ending, your study of God's Word doesn't have to. Everyone can learn from the Bible, and everyone will be blessed when they open their hearts to its truth. As you spend time in Scripture today, ask God to share His heart directly with yours, and be open to whatever He has to teach you. Know that we're praying for you as you study, and will continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. 
Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. while you're there or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth. Oh,